Hi, everybody, and welcome to another great episode of Turban Thinker Talks. So today we're going to be talking fashion and technology. And I'm joined by two people that are incredibly versed with this, Kuntal Malia and Arti Gupta. They're the co-founders of Style Nook, which is a personal styling service that combines, guess what, technology and human beings. I love it. So it's not just about tech people. And it is created for the urban women where they create, curate the clothes for their body types and job profiles. Style Nook was founded in 2016 and promises to provide you, and I definitely vouch on that, with personalized curated services. And they're facilitated by data and a touch of passion in their stylists. So it's an exciting time for such platforms and a really great space to be in. Kuntal Arti, it's wonderful to have you both join. Finally, we're going to do this. It's really cool. Thank you so much. So yeah. how did Artie and you meet? Because that's the first thing I want to know. And then what triggered you both to come up with this idea? Yeah. Um, so, you know, interestingly, both of us have had pretty parallel lives. Uh, we're from but we lived in the U.S. for 10 years before moving back and joining startups in the Indian ecosystem. Uh, and uh, it was at that point where Aarti was at Hopscotch and I was at ZoomIn. Uh, we collaborated on some interesting engagement ideas and uh, we loved the way we thought. And it worked out well. And then, uh, you know, fast forward a few years, call it serendipity, call it destiny. Uh, we happened to be at the same spot at the same time. We wanted to build something together. We also wanted to build what was the next uh, wave of e-commerce and not just focus on discounts or, uh, you know, just product after product. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's where we started kind of looking at different ideas, looking at, you know, fashion. Uh, we both love clothes. And uh, we thought of uh, what, what would be interesting, what would be new to build. Uh, and that's when we realized that in spite of all the innovation that has happened over the last several years in India, uh, as a user, you still need to search endlessly to just find something that you love. And could we build a service that allows you to get something you love much more easily? <laughs> so, so, so where did the, well, I really want to know where did, where did the name Style Nook come from? Uh, so style is a play on the word your nook, your corner, and has this playful connotation. So we wanted to let our users know this is a space to experiment, to have fun, and it's also a safe zone, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that's that's basically what, uh, that's where the name came from. So, so like they say, the rest is history. So you're both um, obviously still together, which is really cool. Four years on, you're still getting along. So Artie. <laughs> So what's the story behind Style Nook? I mean, tell us a little bit about the platform, your services. What does it actually do? Sure. So, you know, Style Nook, uh, yeah. So Style Nook is, you know, uh, a personalization service, right? The platform, what it does is it allows our users to come in and tell us a little bit about themselves, fill out a little profile. And based on who she is, and that's how the personalization works. So there is a... A, like a machine uh, recommendation that comes in, but there is a human stylist as well. And so based on who our client is and what her life, uh, you know, uh, stages and what her headspace is, uh, the stylist kind of starts working, uh, you know, and curating uh, uh, selections for her. Artie, exactly who is the customer profile? Because you, you were just saying that you sort of are going against the grain. Um, you, you want to reach out to a different kind of a different kind of approach for the women. So what are you looking for? Who are you looking to attract? 
so we have definitely uh, you know uh, targeted women as you know our go to market strategy we do this for women in india and as a personalization service we're not trying to cut anybody into like you know the same cookie cutter shape so we are in that sense open to several audiences having yeah. said that uh, i mean our ideal target audience is you know somebody who's uh, about 25 years in fact our typical audience profile is you know in the uh, range of 28 to 40 and beyond uh, and it literally comes from being uh, having been through a journey with fashion uh, yeah. she has already been you know dealing with it and she's kind of learned a few things uh, through the course of it and has figured that okay no longer is that just discount or the latest trend is you know the best thing to kind of she's do she's looking at her own sort of confident individual style she's sort of in a space where she's more comfortable with her choices rather than being pushed is that sort of what you're trying to get to absolutely because she's somebody who is confident enough in her own you know uh, style but she's also now curious enough to know that okay now that i've understood this about me Yeah. what can i do and how can i experiment more so in that sense you know we're not a makeover site at all no. uh, we do not do that in fact makeover is a taboo term in the world of style you know uh, we collaborate we work together with our clients okay wonderful so i mean kuntal you're obviously the sort of you, your background is in ai you're the tech lead in the business and and so style nook uses both ai and personal stylists like i said earlier and they're curating the range of clothing so how yeah. do you combine those two how do your stylists use the ai data to interpret the customer choices i mean i think when we spoke the very first time you said you pride yourself in personalizing each of the boxes that you send out to your clients so yeah um you know we've actually uh, styled at this point thousands of customers and i can very happily say that no two boxes are the same um yes. and you know a lot of people if uh, when they hear the term the stylist and then they hear a stylist st- styling service they actually think it's simply a stylist doing what she wants and putting pieces together uh but you know it's the user who is calling the shots so we're all varied in our body shape size our age our don'ts our budgets and preferences we collect this in a form and all these various aspects which we call data points uh create filtering and recommendation models which create a highly personalized catalog for each and every user so even if rt and i are styled today uh the user sees a completely different curation for her and for me even though we're the same age yeah i mean i think interestingly that that leads very very nicely to the next point which is You, you know both of you mentioned that you're getting the clients to fill in sort of their questionnaire and then they're yeah. sending that in now for me if i were to fill that questionnaire i'd be the perfect size 10 no you know i mean we don't always get it right i mean I, i'm i'm very likely that when we're measuring our own sort of measurements it's sort of skewed right i mean i'd love to write down i'm a 10 i'm an 8 but the reality is i'm not so sure how i'm measuring um yeah. so how do you sort of overcome that because that accuracy um is not always there right yeah and i mean um sizing i think in that sense is one of the pain points of the entire fashion industry uh, yeah. i recently like you know the number of clothes that are returned due to sizing in e-commerce is massive uh so i think even if as a user you write down your size label we know that it may not be accurate for no other reason but you could be uh, you know you could be buying clothes that have vanity sizing labels right 
Yeah. And we're aware of that. So what we do is we take various different aspects of measurement from the user, which yeah. are fed into our sizing model and calibrated against all the other users we have in our data set as well to understand what the measurements are. So okay. it's not a single piece of information that is used. It is like multiple kind of understand. And then uh, from the other side, we also know that sizing is not standardized amongst brands. So we kind of do a bunch of things to understand how we can make it more similar. Uh, and then we pay a lot of attention also to fits. Like, do you like comfort fits? Do you like uh, well-fitted? Uh, and what is the product? So there's a lot of work that happens within the merchandising aspect as well to make sure that we're getting it right. Um, okay. it's our, yeah, it's like I, guess it's, I guess it's a process, right? The more data you have, the more you can sort of get that accurate as you're building your Absolutely. very impressive database because I think you did mention that your database is currently around 50,000. So that's phenomenal in terms of reach. Yeah. Um, so Artie, one of the key factors um, is, is just exactly like Kuntal was alluding to, that there is an, in any, any e-com platform or any business like that, there is that percentage of rate of return. So how do you, you know, how are you experiencing that, the challenges in your business and how are you working towards trying to reduce it? Uh, so Asil, I think in our case, uh, we always kind of think of this as a trial room and a trial yeah. room that comes to you. And so therefore, you know, you get a wider selection to choose from. Uh, so for us, uh, we've kind of always sent like a selection to our users and uh, we expect her to keep two, three items out of it. Sometimes it goes about that. It could be four or five pieces, even depending on when she's uh, shopping. But we don't think of this as a send and a return in a very typical e-commerce sense. Yeah. Because every single piece that we send anyway is meant to, you know, work for her because a lot of effort and thought has gone into selecting that piece for her. Her size and measurements have obviously been taken into consideration, but her taste, her profile, a lot of those, you know, deep, uh, a lot of deep thinking has gone into the curation. But it literally is in that sense, you know, how you would find in a big retail store, you would have a trained stylist who would help pick out like a few things and give it to you saying, why don't you try these on? Yeah. And it's a trial room that literally comes to you. You out of that, out of those recommended pieces, you figure that, OK, great. Uh, I like X, Y, Z. And this one I'm not going to keep for now. Sure, sure. Um, and then Kuntal, obviously, you know, that the whole uh, platform is centered around Stylist. So what are the key elements you look for when you're hiring? Is there a specific kind of styling profile that you look for for your stylist? Um, you know, so aside from, I would say, the prerequisite of understanding the science of styling and, uh, you know, the basics of styling and having a good sense of style, uh, the number one requisite factor for us is empathy. Yeah. Uh, stylist does not, and we're able to tease that out with a bunch of tests we take. But that is the biggest like factor that we look for and we measure against. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and and there's honestly no place for ego, unfortunately, in this uh, business. Look, um, there's no place for ego in any of this fashion <laughs> business. Unfortunately, though, there's a lot of ego. But lot anyways, <laughs> yeah, go on. Empathy is like the number one thing that we look for. Um, yes. You know, in terms of her ability to style, her ability to think about different angles. But if she can't relate to what the, style, what the user is saying, and the user is giving her a lot of information, if she cannot make use of that, I mean, it's, it's not going to work out. So, and, 
I mean, on that point, obviously, it's it's a very personal service, right? So it's all about building those relationships, you know, successfully between both your stylist and your client. And, and I, you know, I think when we were having, our, again, our very first discussion, you said sometimes you send boxes full of product that the clients wouldn't necessarily sort of expect to dress themselves in, you know? So that's also very interesting because sometimes we're really stubborn, right? We're always or very, you know, comfortable sticking to a certain silhouette, a certain yeah. color. We're not really experimental. So I guess that relationship through time is building that confidence. So tell me a little bit about how you sneak other products in. So I think you're absolutely right when you use the word relationship, right? Uh, and we actually train the stylists as well to understand that this is not a transaction, it's a relationship, it's a journey. And yeah. uh, to walk the path with her. And uh, again, I think core elements of empathy and communication skills are critical. Every single box that goes out, the stylist writes a note uh, with it, explaining what has been sent and why. Yeah. Uh, and it's important for the user to understand that the stylist is batting for uh, me you know, and that's what she tried to convey. And our, our incentives, our structures, everything is, everything is set up so that, you know, that aspect remains. For example, we often get asked, do you want to have commissions based on the amount of uh, revenue that a stylist gets from each client? If we were to do that, uh, I would automatically be gaming every uh, stylist to pick the most expensive product, which is not sure. in the best of the, style, of the client. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, so there's a lot of integrity involved, obviously, in that relationship building. And then at the end of the day, that's a sustainable model. You know, if you're going to go for the quick wins and just get products at a price point to push revenue, then I'm certain it is not going to be sustainable. So, uh, Artie, how do you look for brands? You know, uh, how what are the key things that you're looking for? What makes them sort of unique to you? Tell us a little bit about your sourcing. Sure. So we've been sourcing uh, from all over uh, the country, but we've actually also done some international sourcing. Yeah. And we are, in fact, brand agnostic. Uh, we do not necessarily look at brands for, uh, you know, uh, and brands is not how we kind of push the whole product forward. For us, it's ultimately personalization. We play the role of really good matchmakers. Yes. So when you see that, like, you know, we have 50,000 profiles, uh, 50,000 plus profiles in our database, it also means we have so much data about their taste, their preferences, their, you know, uh, shape. Uh, and that allows us to kind of figure out what are the gaps for these users? What are the things that are, we are going to need? And that allows us to, you know, go out and seek out those brands. Now, we that's a spectrum of demand. So we fill some of these with some known brands. A lot of new designers and boutique brands are also, you know, on our platform. In fact, for a lot of them, we also can give them good design indications and inputs because we have the data. We actually have demand information, which is typically very hard to get in this industry. So the collaboration yes. is actually very deep. And yeah. uh, in fact, we also constantly are. Uh, looking at what the user is going through. So, for example, right now, uh, there has been a shift in the way we are curating. So a lot of our catalogs uh, from a few months ago are evolving rapidly because we're looking for more comfort wear, uh, fitness wear. We just launched maternity, in fact. 
uh, yeah. because that has been a demand area. So we literally go by what our users want and accordingly go and source, uh, so, you know, those. So it's uh, very products. dynamic. It's very dynamic because you're constantly on the lookout, obviously, and it's you know trying to sort of accommodate products as well as brands, I'd imagine. So Absolutely. let's talk a little bit about. Clearly, it's a, it's a, you know, you're based in India, you're, you're catering for the Indian market, and that is a vast country and so many different diversities. So what's been one of the biggest learnings, you know, for Stalnook based on that diversity? And then how on earth are you managing to accommodate these different assortments? <laughs> because that is quite remarkable. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, I think this is a very uh, favorite uh, term to use in, you know, talking about consumer space in India, but there are many Indias. Uh, within yes, India, indeed. you can't really, you know, uh, stereotype. There are actually different segments, different, uh, you know, thought processes. And uh, within that, I mean, of course, uh, you can find patterns. And then I think that's where our ability to kind of, you know, look at data and look at patterns emerges. But across the board, you know, the users like to know at the end of the day that their preferences are taken into consideration. Yeah. Because we actually go ahead and take these preferences up front. You know, unlike typical e-commerce or any retail business, we don't work from a point of view of, okay, we have sold, you know, X thousand number of social units. Uh, and that's the self who is determining what the demand is. For us, demand is actually very raw. Our users are giving us indication. We know how many of them want to wear dresses, how many of them want to wear, you know, Indian outfits. We know what kind of colors are not preferred. We know all of this because our users are telling us. This is no guesswork. Yes. But yes. We know it from our users. And so that actually allows us to, you know, figure out the patterns uh, in a pretty robust way. And uh, I'll be honest, uh, all the supply is not completely sorted out. So that is where, again, we have to be constantly on the lookout and on the hunt to kind of figure out, okay, this is a gap that we aren't able to meet. Of How course. can we get But I think also that's the beauty, isn't it? Because you're learning, you're diversifying, and you're sort of, you know, managing all of that. And that's what makes it really interesting. It would be incredibly boring if you had a cookie cutter approach. I mean, that's the beauty of India. It has that diversity. And then you know, for a platform like yours, then it has a huge amount of potential. So but what if we, if we talk about, obviously, everybody, hopefully, thank God, finally paying a lot of attention to sustainability, and sort of ethical brands and, you know, consumers are very much having that on their mind. And then I hope a lot of businesses have that as the forefront of their agenda. But Let's talk about how Stylenook, is that something you're going to be incorporating, like, you know, sustainable, conscious clothes? So sustainability is actually pretty core to our DNA. Uh, but we have our own, uh, you know, uh, uh, perspective on it. Uh, so besides looking at, you know, uh, sustainable business and sustainable sourcing, which yeah. of course is quite critical, it begins from there. But fundamentally, I think uh, we, and again, because we are stylists, we focus on the wearability of the outfits very much. Uh, yeah. Because we look at factors like, you know, are you going to be able to wear, rewear this? Can you style it in multiple ways and find it, you know, as an asset in your wardrobe for many months or years to come? Because that's what sustainability is for us. Uh, what does your cost per wear come out to be? So you could source from fabulously, you know, sustainable fabric, but it is designed in such a way that it is extremely 
occasion driven and you could literally wear it only twice and then after that it just kind of you know either sits or you hand it down or you know uh, it doesn't matter what kind of uh, sustainable practices have been followed in sourcing that clothing uh, at the end of the day it's still not a very sustainable approach so we look at factors like you know uh, the cost per wear very uh, uh, deeply and then transparency with our vendors we've also been very local so uh, like i mentioned earlier we do have a few international uh, sourcing you know uh, solutions but most of our vendors our designers have all been in india most of them in fact are our customers as well i think that's you know i mean it's very interesting because you are sourcing locally and that means you have the direct knowledge of how these bands are being made and all of the processes behind them clearly and that's what makes it very exciting and you know quite a lot of the indian brands at the end of the day are artisanal and handmade in any case and so it's just ensuring that obviously those sort of ethical and the sustainable elements and i love the fact that basically you're saying it's a fully rounded because it's not just about the sustainability and the process it's also about the longevity of the piece that you have uh, you know in order to stop you from constantly consuming and actually purchasing you know durable investment pieces so um do you think the indian customer is conscious of conscious clothing or is it something it's quite new because i find that a very interesting sort of dichotomy between india producing you know handy artisan work but are they do they realize the importance of sustainability does that affect the final purchasing decision for your clients yeah no it goes back to you know there are many indias uh yeah. and so it's also in general as a concept relatively new it is certainly catching on and there is a conscious you know segment uh yes. there are also the thought leaders so uh and i think covid in that sense has done us all quite a bit of service in terms of opening our eyes and mind to you know the idea of sustainability yes uh we're also a value driven market in india i mean uh yes yes and that's something that you know is important to uh, understand and accept and so again like i said in the earlier you know uh, statement that the cost for wear when we are able to you know uh, work with that that actually becomes like an eye opening you know uh, solution for a lot of yeah. our users because then the value of you know buying something which is a little bit more expensive not necessarily the fastest fashion on the street yes. but it actually is something that is an investment piece becomes uh, very viable true true so um i just want to also then bring on to the fact that you mentioned a lot of lo- local sort of designers that you work with so are you also sort of taking into your portfolio emerging designers i mean obviously i'm very passionate about that because i've been coaching and mentoring some really exciting talents for decades and there's so many incredible young designers that are coming out from india and so is that something also that you incorporate into your collections absolutely uh, so we have a brand uh, which we co collaborated on and co worked with called wkwr uh-huh uh, which is basically workwear uh, and uh, you know it's very interesting the story of the designer of the brand has design and fashion background and she uh, did a gig with us as a stylist and she was on her way to you know launch a nice beautiful boho line and you know uh yeah. something with ankara uh, artwork and by styling actual users 
she her eyes opened to something that she had not seen in all these years in the fashion industry because the gaps right that oh my god i want to give this kind of address to this client of mine but it isn't available and yes. so we've actually been able to do that quite well uh, we like i said we do have the data we were able to share that give the insight some of it also uh, came to her just by virtue of being a stylist and uh, together we've been able to launch that line which is actually actually has done incredibly well we're just in fact getting another round of supply from them and then similarly we have quite a few other designers in the pipeline that we are uh, you know following this approach yeah with. i mean it makes a lot of sense doesn't it and it gives that additional you know with emerging designers you always get that freshness and new ideas so it keeps the you know it keeps the collections that you're offering very very exciting for the, for your customers so kuntal i mean you're the techie partner um in this business and i keep saying that obviously you you're you, you're always looking at the ai the analytics and rt comes from the merchandising you know a uh, former coo background and the sourcing so it seems like a perfect fit right because you have data with merchants and so how how is that experience how do you work as partners together is it a perfect fit or you know how is that synergy so i think uh, fundamentally we both have appreciation for what we do yeah uh and uh, you know i think that's critical right because there will be differences uh and i think the good part is there's a little bit of analytics in rt uh and then there's a, there's a little bit of fashion uh and clothing sense in me so yes. it's not as if it's an absolute black and white team so it's easy for us to kind of understand what the other person's talking about and then frankly speaking i mean there there are often differences and you know um another way of looking at things at the end of the day we're both very clear that uh what works for the business is what is right um yes. that overtakes everything and so, i think you know that that is that's the beauty of it isn't it because whilst you do come from two different places you are sort of led by one vision and that's sort of keeps yeah. that in check now i also want to ask you clearly you know it's as as we're coming closer to the end of this conversation covid rt just mentioned that covid is open you know i the eyes of many different facets and so what have the opportunities and challenges been for you and how do you think the future is going to start to unfold we started very early on in the conversation where you said or actually when when we were talking prior to this that the last few months have been a little bit crazy you know trying to be moving and adapting so how's yeah. that been for you well um you know i think the most immediate impact for us has been that the current shape of our demand has changed um where you know if users are not going out that much to work then obviously things that they need have changed right um yes. so this is where uh, we have started focusing on more homeware uh you know clothes for working at home in a very easy manner uh comfortwear and then we just launched maternity in fact today yes. um uh, oh congratulations yeah thank you um because we recognize that that's a huge need of uh the market currently so our like while demand in some ways has uh, maybe gotten a little less across the world for fashion i think what's also most important to recognize is the shape of demand is changing yes. uh, so that's i think the short term impact for us uh, and uh, you know that's something that we've always been good at in terms of knowing that user taste evolves so we keep following it 
I think in the long run, though, there are some pretty uh, big impacts that are coming our way. Uh, and one is, I think what we just spoke about is the element of sustainability, which kind of uh, translates itself not just into uh, good practices and transparency around the industry, but also in terms of, uh, you know, minimalism or uh, doing more with less. And, yes. uh, you know, frankly speaking, I think these are aspects that have been staring at us for a while. It's just with the pandemic, it's now come very close and you can't ignore it. Um, sure. So elements that in some way people may think don't work well for us but they actually work very well for us because uh, we don't necessarily prescribe to fast fashion and uh, no. you know yeah so that actually kind of this actually works for us and it's something that uh, you know we are making sure it comes into the model I think the biggest opportunity and the you know um, the windfall that we see happening is uh, there's obviously a big shift towards e-commerce and yeah. people away from offline retail spaces sure. at the same shopping online is not exactly a great experience and we play that beautiful step of not being a offline retailer but at the same time we're not uh, an off an online catalog for you to shop from yeah i mean i think that's the, exactly to the point of you know when i sort of introduced you I, I i said exactly that is that it's a very exciting time for you because you're sort of merging both that yes. personal service with that you know channel so on a last note I would love to get you maybe RT to you're both women entrepreneurs you're clearly running a successful business and you're paving the way for many other women who's going to enter the field of technology or fashion or business or entrepreneurism so a word a few words from you on inspiring them what would you be saying to up-and-coming entrepreneurs RT please uh I'll say that, you know, keep at it. I think uh, entrepreneurship is a rough journey and there are highs and lows. And, you know, I mean, then there are macro factors like COVID would just completely, you know, shake you up. Uh, yeah. It's important because you dived into this with a certain vision. Uh, and that vision, you need to at least test it out, play it out. Uh, and in that same breath, I, like, you know, it's a very, very uh, deep uh, philosophy that you have to constantly test and learn and listen to your users. Listen to your end customers. I think when you know that you're solving a problem, customers will come. But listening to them and understanding, you know, what motivates them, what drives them, that actually is key. So keep at it with that, you know, eye and ear, uh, you know, very, very finely tuned to listening to your users. Yes. Uh, and and, you and should, I think you that, know, that, you know, beautiful words. And I think that not only applies to entrepreneurs, I think any business owner, corporate, conglomerate, you name it, today more than ever should be listening. If you just stood for a minute and listened rather than reacted, I'm certain many of the businesses would be in a much better state today. So that's outstanding advice. And Kuntal, what about you? Um, you know, I... I think I 100% agree with what Aarti has said and it actually applies today more than ever before. Uh, I think the other thing is just, um, you know, going ahead with your idea and seeing if it works. I see a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and not just women, uh, but getting caught up with a lot of details around execution, around operations, without even figuring out if there's any need for what they're doing. Yes. And just taking that first step and I'm going to sound very ironic when I say this, but it can be absolutely non-tech, uh, scrappy, uh, you know, as long as it's not horrible, <laughs> but just yeah. put it up 
and see what happens uh, because that's often the best way to learn and also understand if there is anything that can be done out of this outstanding outstanding it's wonderful to have you both on i'm really glad that we finally made it and you know it's it's exciting to see what you're doing it's exciting to see how this evolution of that is going to shape up in the future and i'm certain this is going to be one of many conversations that we have so thank you so much for joining me today on turban thinker thank you so much for having us this was a lot of fun thank you thank you very thank much thank you so much thank Bye. you Marta. you take care have a fantastic day ahead